Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Laland. Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? I'm so great, Lyle. That's amazing. I am so fantastic. You know why? Because I hung out with my friend last night. Oh, and, okay. And it, it was your, awesome. Your friend. Yeah, I have a friend. You have a friend. I have a friend. His name's Deshan. Yeah, that's right, Michael from What a Nobby. He keeps texting <laughs> the studio and telling me that I don't have friends. But no, I hung out with my friend last night. We went. Lawson in. has a friend. Well, I have more than one, but I specifically <laughs> hung out with my friend. But I you hung out with one specifically of one of my friends, and we Lawson went and had dinner and hung out because we're friends. I think you should go and hang out with Michael. Yeah. I wonder if Michael has friends. I wonder, like, being from a place called Watanabe, I don't know how many people live out there. It's like, but yeah, that's right. So stop the hate. Stop the slander. The, the, the Lawson slander the, the that's lo- coming the through. Roast. Okay, if anyone wants to roast Lawson this morning, our number is 0491 064669. Uh, anyway, that's cool. Yeah, what about, what about you? What are you I have thinking? a friend. Oh, really? Yes. I have a friend in Jesus. Amen. Oh. And I am super thankful for that this morning. As we all should be. And I don't need more than that, but I have more than that. <laughs> wow, living in luxury, Lyle. Absolutely. First world problems. So we can we can praise God that regardless of what our friends do on earth, we have a friend in Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Here on The Breakfast Show, we're about to get into our quiz, pentathlon quiz, which means that you have your first question coming up. It is for 100 points. You get a 100-point size prize for it, and Lawson's going to bring you the question. For 100 points, what two words follow Jesus' statement, I am the bread, da-da, like, blink, blink. What, what, what are those two words? What are those last two words? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you want the answer, if you know the answer and you would like the prize, which is as, as a classic 100-point prize, a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker if you would like to get those. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You can call us, answer the question correctly, get your points on the board, or you know continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what two words follow Jesus' statement, I am the bread... And then what are the two words after that? It's really hard not to say those words, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. I was, I was about to say one of them. I was like, ooh. But yeah, yeah. What, uh, what is, you know, what is, what is Jesus the, the bread of? If you know, 0491-064-669. Okay, let's go to some positively different news there, Lawson. Okay. So I read a story this morning, and it's, it's one of those classic Lawson moments of like, is this positive news? Um, but I, I want you guys to evaluate. Anyway. I'm just going to do it anyway because I think it's interesting. So, so it's interesting. So we're having interesting news this that's morning. That's right. Well, all news should be interesting, right? Yes. Like whether it's good or bad or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think this is some interesting news. Um, so there's a company uh, that's based in Singapore and it's been making lab-grown meat. Right. All right. So, yes. so basically how they do it is they take the cells from animals and then curate it up into a piece of cookable meat. Yes. Um, and, like, specifically with their, like, lab-grown chicken meat, they, you know, it's, like, 70%. It's basically using stem cells. Stem cells, yeah. And then they'll chuck 30% um, of, like, plant protein in there, like some soy or whatever, 
and then bam, it's ready to cook and eat. And apparently it like tastes like meat. But the, the thing that I wanted to highlight and focus on, um, because obviously, actually, over the last couple of days, we've had some stories about, um, you know, meat and plants and, and which kind of diet you should go for, plant-based. And we here at Faith of Femme are big proponents of the plant-based diet. We say that it's a, it's a fantastic way to go. Um, and for a number of reasons, firstly for health and secondarily also because it's better for the environment. But check out these, check out these statistics right here. So this company started with selling vegan eggs. That was their thing. So they, yes. they, they curated like. And nearly all of the eggs in, uh, in, in Singapore are vegan eggs these days. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's because like their lab, version. Lab created vegan eggs. That's right. Their version of an egg requires 98% less water to produce, uh, used 86% less land and emitted 93% fewer CO2 emissions to create than a regular egg. Yes. So that's like a drastic drop. Um, but then now they've come up with their like lab made, chi- made chicken and compared to a conventional chicken, it needed 78% less water, 95% less, less net, uh, less land and emitted 92% fewer CO2 emissions. So, like is it Okay, so these are all the positives. Let me toss out some uh, some questions on this. And my first big question mm-hmm. is that, you know, to create uh lab-based meat through the use of stem cells, you've got to have a limited number of animals that basically become stem cell uh donors. donors mm-hmm. uh, and so you're constantly milking them for their stem cells. And this places those animals in a life of constant pain, Mm -hmm. whereas in traditional farming, animals feel no pain at all because Mm -hmm. they are euthanized in a painless way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've got, say, you're doing uh, lab-based meat, uh, beef, for instance, you're going to have, you know, 10 or 15 cows out in the lab that are going to just be in pain their entire life, being abused their entire life, rather than just being painlessly euthanized. That's my first that my first big question right there. Yeah. My second one is okay, how just just how dodgy is this and what's it going to do to the health of the nation? And isn't it just better off to go plant-based in the first place because then you've got no animals in pain, you've got better health, you've got better longevity, and you've got better quality of life just all round. This is the point. And you save like, all of those issues that you're talking about there as far as water and pollution and Oh, et cetera, for et cetera, sure. Et like like if we look at the impact of animal farming. So like Basically, uh, livestock uses up seventy percent of all agricultural land, but only makes eighteen up like eighteen percent of our food supply. So it uses like a disproportionately large amount of land for how yes. much of the food chain it actually provides for. Furthermore, um, the scalability of lab-grown meat, of stem cell-grown meat, like plus animal proteins, like I guess a lot, you know, lots of food and whatnot are made in a in, a, in factories and stuff. But the scalability of you know, being able to make step like lab grown meat would do the same thing in the kind of factory sector of agriculture. It's like, oh yeah, you take the problem away from from you know agricultural land, and then you just move it into factories of which you need to produce tons of, so that you can make all this meat. Because it's like if you just replaced you know regular meat overnight like the uh, as they're interviewing the 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 proponents of this and the people from this company in this article they're like this is the future you know this is the new way like like this is making regular meat look like a flip phone or a horse and buggy like this is this is the way to go but it's that i'm like it, it's practically unscalable <laughs> like well ethically, ethically ethi- you know ethical issues aside the other thing is 
what this is going, you know, the ethics of, of animal welfare aside, because, mm. you know, the animal welfare issues here are, are some serious, mm-hmm. you know, issues. Those issues aside, the other question we have to ask from an ethical perspective is about the number of people that this puts out of work and what it does to um, country and regional areas where it will just, you know, decimate the economy and wipe them out. Mm. So, like, ultimately, the solution is, like, stop eating me. <laughs> just like, just like, 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 plant-based diet is I, definitely I, the like, like plant-based diet because then you regain so much of that agricultural layer, which you can repurpose to. And what's it going to do to your health? And that's, that's like the big point. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, genetically modified DNA printed meat. What? You're going to eat this stuff. Yeah. Whether, whether it's like regular meat or DNA printed meat at the end of the day, it is meat. And we know for a fact, like the studies have been done, people live the fastest in area, uh, live the longest in areas where they eat less meat. That's just the of, truth. And it sort of makes you wonder also how much of this meat is already in our diet. You know, I mean, they're, they're printing meat in China, they're printing it in Singapore. How much mm-hmm. of it actually makes it out to Australia? Yeah, it's interesting that they mention it's like 30% um, plant protein. Like there's so much, like like your average meat pie is like so little percentage meat and so much like plant-based protein yeah, yeah, anyway. It's, it's cheaper. Because it's cheap. It's cheap and it's shove, easy to shove produce. Some, shove some chocos in there, right? Yeah, that's right. Some <laughs> chocos, some sawdust, you know, they just they just throw anything in there. Like tofu. Of to- yeah, but the tofu is so good. Tofu is good. Oh, I had I ate tofu last night. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, guys, is an easy solution. We all know what it is. Let's just do it. Um, in other news, okay, this is this is just something I read. I don't even know if you could consider this good news as well, but it's just funny. It's just like it just made me laugh. Uh, um, so there's a massive black bear rolling ro- roaming around Lake the Lake Tahoe Cal- uh, area in California, cool. named Hank the Tank. Cool, and it's just breaking into people's houses, stealing their food, and leaving. Oh dear. <laughs> he would not want to break into my house if I was living at Lake Tahoe. <laughs> Well, he might not break back out again. <laughs> well, this, dude, this guy is getting around Hank the Tank, this big old black bear. He's just like, he skipped hibernation because he's just... He doesn't need to hibernate. He's got an insatiable... There's plenty of houses, plenty of houses around to raid, so just get out and raid them. That's right. He's got an insatiable want and, and taste and hunger for human food. And so he's just like, he's just getting in there. And, okay, this is the kind of sad part. They have... Well, this is funny that they have literally tried everything to to capture him. Like, they've put up, like, bead pet, like, um, like all the non-lethal methods of hazing, like um, bead and bag munitions, um, dry-firing tasers, silence, uh, sirens, like, all these kinds of things. Yeah. They dry-fire tasers. Hank the Tank. You they, can't take Hank the Tank You can't. Down you just can't. And they're trying to work out, like, how to capture him. And, like, obviously the option is there to go the lethal route, but they don't want to do that. So they're trying to find out a way to trap him. They're like, how can we trap Hank the Tank? And they're in that process at the moment of figuring out, like, can we drop a cage on him? Can we get him to run into a pen and close the back? Like, what are we going to do? Because Hank the Tank is on the move. And no I'm, one can I'm stop I'm sure him. it can't be that hard to build an oversized live trap. Well, at the same time, like, Australia lost a war against emus. So... Animals have yes. proved to to be to be resilient and to overcome in the past. And you know, for this guy Hank the Tank, he's he's not slowing down. He's going house to house. He's raiding hard. So we'll see how this story. Ends You're up. listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
as we move on to the 200 point question for the quiz. Lawson, what have we got? For 200 points, how many men did Moses send into the land of Canaan to spy out the land? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 200 points, you can win yourself an issue of Signs Magazine, or you can get those points on the board, keep working your way through the quiz. If you get every single question correct, you can win every single prize. But again, that question was, how many men did Moses send into Canaan to spy out the land? 0491 Okay, so talking about uh, printed meat. Uh-huh. As far as I know, Bill Gates is very much behind it, somebody says. That should tell us something. Isn't he the one behind vaccination? I smell a rat. Well, he's behind some of the vaccinations, but not all of them. But uh, certainly made a lot of money about it. But, yeah, Bill Gates is not one to turn away from an opportunity to make money. Yeah. He's behind Lyle's computer screen. Windows gang. This is true. This is true. And then another text message here. Home visits from a bear. Talk about unwelcome visitors. Luckily, no one has been hurt yet, but it is only a matter of time before home residents may be at the wrong place at the wrong time. This is America we're talking about. I suspect that it's only a matter of time before Hank the Tank is at the wrong home at the wrong time. (laughs) And in America, that could be a very bad thing for Hank the Tank. Mm. He might be not Hank the Tank anymore, but... Hank the something else. You know, black bears probably Hank used the fertilizer. Black bears probably used to give like ancient villages a hard time, but there's there's a reason why we build houses in the forest now, and it's because, well, it's particularly in the United States, it's because things that make very loud noises exist and will very quickly bring Hank's life to an end. So, so when, when my wife was about uh, maybe two or three years old, they moved to a property in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and they hadn't built the house yet, and so they were living in a tent. Um, you know, as you do when you're getting started to build the house. That's so awesome. Um, so, so they're living in this tent, and uh, one morning her dad gets up, you know, sort of early in the morning to uh, for his morning constitutional, had a certain need of nature that had to be taken care of, steps outside of the tent, and there's a massive black bear standing there. And what did he do? He didn't tell anybody. <laughs> they might not have been living on that property any longer if he had have done classic ron moment all right first timothy chapter 2 uh verse 1 the bible says i exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men and then he, and then paul says something specifically for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty you've been memorizing this one yeah bro Fantastic in, verse. In New King James. This is a verse that we kind of, yeah, mm. we, we kind of need to be practicing this verse right mm. now as you look around the world, particularly at the Ukraine. Mm. And it was interesting that uh, Franklin Graham actually put out a call for people to be praying for mm. uh, Vladimir Putin mm. uh, at this particular time. And specifically, I quote, uh, to pray for Putin that war is avoided at all costs. Mm. So that's a really good prayer, an important one that, uh, you know, and I, I criticise Franklin Graham from time to time, but on this one I'm in full agreement with him. Uh, I am in disagreement in the reaction that it has caused because, of, of course, everything seems to get politicised mm. in today's world. And it's like, how, how, why can't you just call for prayer without it being politicised? That's right. You know, you've got uh, John Cooper, a Democratic operative who served as the National Finance Chair of uh, draft Biden, who wrote, uh, evangelist Franklin Graham just told his his followers, pray for President Putin today. Unreal. Mm. That's a major misquote. Uh, Scott Hoffman, 
um, who's running for North Carolina's 10th Congressional District, tweeted, Franklin Graham asked his followers to pray for Putin. Guess he forgot about the Ukrainians and our NATO, NATO allies. It's almost like he supports the enemy who is about to cl- declare war and kill people. That is so wild. Like, I can't believe, like, the misinterpretation of, like, like what do they think they're, they're praying for? What, the, the Putin is successful in his, like, occupation of the Ukraine and that they, like, cause war? Like USA Singers, a group of virtuoso performers from New Jersey, responded, uh, Franklin Graham praying for Putin and not Biden. Not for Biden tells us all you need to know about Franklin Graham. Well, Franklin Graham regularly calls for people to pray for Biden. Yeah. Because he believes in this particular passage right here. Yeah. But the point is, like, to avoid what, like, he's not like, God, please make Putin stronger and have the ability to, like, invade Ukraine. Like, that's not what he wants. Like, okay, so there's a number of things that, that we can draw from this. First of all, the gap between secular and Christian is wider than it's ever been before. Mm. And, the, and the lack of understanding of basic Christianity by the secular world is vastly more than it has ever been before. Mm. The, the, the level of ignorance out there, probably of both sides, is bigger than ever before. And the level of politicization of religion, this is what I find most interesting about this, is that this is religion that has just been politicized because, you know, Franklin Graham has his politics and anybody who disagrees with his politics, you know, just assume the worst and then quote the worst and spread the worst. Uh, in relationship to his religion. Mm. And so, yeah, it's a, wow, what a world that we live in when uh, this kind of thing is going on. Okay, so we have uh, two stories here that are going to go back to back, and they are pretty amazing. I did say I'd talk about baby Jari, uh, who has just celebrated his first birthday. Oh, okay. Which is interesting because he was born at 24 weeks gestation, and when he was born he weighed just 0.3 of a kilogram. Oh my goodness! And the doctors are like, "Yeah, you're never going to raise this Dude, child." That's twenty four weeks. Is it? Is that the earliest born child? Uh, it's right up there with the earliest. So the, uh, the I didn't have the earliest here, but the earliest is within like a day or two. Mm. Uh, there was a child born in Japan at point two six eight of a kilogram. Wow! Yeah. So there you go. That's uh, pretty exciting. Congratulations to Jerry for uh, making it through his first year of life. Apparently he is a lively and feisty little boy, according to his parents, and growing strong. Mm. Now what's interesting about that is that that story comes through on the day that Colombia legalizes abortion up to 24 weeks. Oh, wow. He was born at 24 weeks. They've just legalized it. This was a high court decision. Um, and in the past, Colombia had only ever... Uh, allowed abortion when the life of the mother was in danger, when there was a deformity in the child, or in the case of rape. And what happened was that the Colombian government was sued by five American pro-abortion-based organisations, not because, well, you can ever win that kind of a case, but to force the High Court in Colombia to review the laws. And so now it is uh, that's the decision that they have brought down. Of course, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Honduras... Um, and the Dominican Republic all do not allow abortion under any uh, situation at Mm. all. Finally, we have this story coming out of Texas where the Attorney General has just done a review of Texas law and uh, uh, stated that uh, using puberty blockers or sex change surgery on anyone under the age of 18 constitutes child abuse under Texas law. Okay. Under existing Texas law. Uh-huh. 
So you don't have to change any laws. The laws are already in place in relationship to this, which is uh, which is most interesting. Um, she said they violate Texas law because they cause mental and emotional injury to a child that results in an observable and, and material impairment of the child's growth, development, or psychological functioning. Mm. I mean, this to me has to be the most obvious thing ever, but hey, it is what it is. Um, that to cause or permit a child to be in a situation in which the child sustains a mental or emotional injury that results in an observable material impairment of the child's growth, development, or psychological functioning. That's against the law. Uh, it's against the law to cause a physical injury that results in substantial harm to the child um, and that it, invol- it involves a failure to make a reasonable effort to prevent an injury by another person uh, that results in physical injury that results in substantial harm to the child, particularly by parents, counsellors, and physicians, mm-hmm. and these are based on the consent laws. And the Attorney General has stated that uh, Attorney General Paxton has stated that the consent laws are Texas consent laws, but are which are based on federal United States wide consent laws. Mm. So that's going to be interesting how that affects other states because if this if their consent laws are based on federal laws. Is this going to have a ripple-on effect now across the United States? And you've covered a number of stories as well where people have, like, lost, you know, the ability to see their kids because they yeah. disagree and they're like, oh, no, this is, this is because child Because they say their child, their child cannot, a child cannot give consent. Consent, yeah, that's right. And so does this overturn all those cases? In Texas, yes. Okay. Uh, none of those cases that I've reported on came from Texas, mm-hmm. but it means that those cases cannot happen in Texas mm. um, as of now, which is good news. So we've got a couple of uh, positive news stories right there, um, even though they are rather serious in mm. nature as well. So more serious news. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to the breakfast show, and we're about to launch into our interview of the day. Before we do, three hundred point question for the quiz: What wall-building Jewish exile has a book of the Old Testament named after him? It's like one of my favorite books in the Bible. So, if you know what one of my favorite books of the Bible is, then you know the answer. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call for three hundred points. You can win a pocket seven or get your points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was for three hundred points. What wall building Jewish exile has a book of the Old Testament named after him? Okay, if you know the answer, you know what to uh, what to say. Well. Dr. Sven Erstring normally, uh, well, in the past, used to join us here in the studio, but uh, he's got a new job now, so he's joining us on the phone, and I understand somewhere on the side of the freeway. Dr. Sven Erstring, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, uh, Lyle and Lawson. It's fantastic to join you on the breakfast show again. And uh, I just have to say, you've got a new job. Uh, what kind of uh, What kind of work are you working in this year? Okay, so my role is Director of Ministry and Strategy. Uh, for the South Pacific area of the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so, yeah, so it's leading a team and uh, working together uh, to support, ch- support churches right across the South Pacific. So we're uh, working with um, churches in, well, uh, you know, the, the leadership teams, I should say, in, in uh, Fiji, uh, Solomon Islands, Samoa, Papua New Guinea, uh, New Zealand, New Caledonia, um, you know, Australia, obviously, as well. And, yeah, some really tough places like Lord Howe Island and, and uh, Norfolk <laughs> Island. It, That's going to be hard on you, I'm heavy, sure. It's heavy going, Lyle, it's heavy going. 
<laughs> My heart goes out to you, Ben. Um, so how does that actually then filter down to the local churches? Because I was meeting with uh, my region here uh, earlier in the week and we were talking about putting together, you know, one-year, five-year strategies and this kind of thing. Does that Will, will what you're doing filter down to uh, us at the local church level so that we can get some help in putting together strategies for our churches at the local level? I'm- Absolutely, absolutely. And and first and foremost, where it starts is is vision. You know, what what is the vision uh, that uh, not only we can have for right across the South Pacific, but also for for areas in Australia, states in Australia as well. And um, and then moving from vision, uh, which ultimately is to to be to be a thriving Seventh Adventist movement. And then move, moving down to, to our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, followers of Jesus Christ. And then we start to put in place the actual, you know, specifics of a strategy. Uh, and yeah, and then we get out and, and do it. And, and obviously we, you know, we're here to support each other, uh, in, in that mission. And, and it's a very exciting journey, uh, Lyle. But yeah, look, look forward to coming back into the studio. I just have to, figure out how to uh, fit it all in. Yeah, fantastic. We do appreciate that uh, you've taken the time and pulled over on the side of the freeway to talk with us this morning. Uh, we talk about, with Dr. Sven Erstring, as uh, a regular on the show, uh, talking about apologetics. What's our subject for today? Okay, so Lyle, it's a, it's a really fascinating one. And the, the question is this, is the Bible a scientific book? Is the Bible a scientific book? Now, now you might be going like, well, why, why would we even be talking about this? But it, it is very important because um, people will uh, will go to the Bible and they will say, well, uh, the Bible teaches, for example, that God created this world in uh, six literal days. And, you know, when you do the maths, uh, that that happened about six to 10,000 years ago. And uh, then... Then they will go to science, and obviously in science, uh, it has quite a different story to share, and that is the evolutionary story, the, the Big Bang story. And so the the question is this, if the Bible is not a scientific book, but is more about learning about God and faith and, and things like that, then, then you should put it in the... Um, the section of your bookcase with, you know, theology and, and warm spiritual encouragement and, and learning about God, you know, so it's in the, it's in the Christian religious faith section. But, you know, if, um, if we're talking about science, then you'd have your biology textbooks, you'd have your physics textbooks, you'd have your chemistry textbooks. But would you ever take your Bible from your uh, faith section and put it down in the science section? And that, that's the question we're asking today. I think it's a very valid question because, you know, we also talk about the Bible in relationship to health and would you take the Bible and put it in your health section? Uh, so let's, let's ask the question, can we, can, we, can we do this with the Bible? Yes, yes. And so the key thing is this, is if the Bible is only really should be sort of put in a box, shall I say, or, or that, you know, that, that shelf on your bookcase with a faith section, what it means is uh, that you, if, if you feel that you can't put it beside your science books, then 
really the Bible shouldn't have anything to say with regards to scientific topics. But I want to dive into that and actually explore um, this idea. First of all, the Bible actually challenges um, worldviews which which go against uh, biblical uh, the biblical worldview. So, for, let me let me give you an example. Uh, there, there's a very big worldview uh, that many people hold in the world, particularly in India, and that's called Hinduism, and it's been uh, around for for thousands of years. Um, but the interesting thing is that the Bible never says anything about Hinduism. It's not a Hindu textbook. But the question is. Does the Bible have anything to say about Hinduism? And the reality of it is it does, because it challenges it at its very foundation. It, it challenges it in at its worldview level, it's at its theology. And where does it challenge Hinduism? It challenges Hinduism uh, because in Hinduism, uh, there's, there's many gods, there's, there's millions of gods in actual fact, um, and the Bible says, no, there's only one God. It also challenges Hinduism with regards to idolatry, worshipping idols. And another very practical area that it challenges Hinduism, uh, at least, you know, in, in terms of the, the structure of society in India, is the caste system. So um, the Bible actually says, you know, in Christ there is there is no male and female slave nor, you know, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, uh, we are all one in Christ. So, so while the Bible is not a Hindu textbook, it challenges Hinduism at its very core, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's not actually referencing Hinduism. It's not, uh, you know, thou shalt not be a Hindu. Um, it is thou shalt not have any gods before me, and Hinduism has gods, and so therefore it's challenging Hinduism. That's correct. That's correct. So that, that's an example. So let's bring it back to science. Now, there is a worldview related to science, which is called scientism. Scientism is the idea that science provides us the most reliable knowledge in the world. So, so if you want to talk about warm kind of fuzzy kind of stuff that, you know, that rainbows and ponies uh, are delightful um, things and they're great for kids and, and let's write a, a you know a fantasy story about it. You know that's a warm fuzzy kind of kind of thing. Um, but but if you want real knowledge, if you want real hardcore uh, things that you can really you know uh, you know bet, um, bet your life on, if I could put it that way, then you'd go to science because it's more reliable than any other kind of knowledge in the world. But there's a problem with that. There's there's multiple problems with that. Because the reality of it is this, is that the Bible says there's a source of knowledge which doesn't come from science, which is actually more reliable than science. And I'm I'm sure you might be able to guess what that is. Well, that's, that's God. God is far more reliable than science. Exactly, exactly. God, God is a person, he's, uh, as theologians would say, he's omniscient, he knows everything. But he also has the, the, the nature that God never lies. So when God teaches us something, he tells us the truth. 
whereas science is is um, uh, you know provisional, it, it can change over time. When God shares with us something, we know that it's true. Now, there's another thing that that um, the Bible challenges scientism, and that is with the idea of uh, how does God work. Science has this idea that uh, everything that happens in this world is is according to natural laws, and so things um, you know happen in an orderly kind of way, and that's how science works really well. Um, but but scientism takes it one step further, and effectively says because it assumes that science is the most reliable form of knowledge, it says that everything in in life always happens according to those laws. Nothing ever happens that um, doesn't follow those laws. Now, the question is this. God created those those natural laws. You know, we can go back to um, the cosmological arguments and all of those kind of things. But the question is this. Is God bound by the natural laws that he created? Yes or no? No, God will, well, well, God is, uh, when God speaks, those laws exist. Exactly, exactly. So, so the thing is this, is that he can create those laws, but he has the freedom to do something different that's not contradictory to those laws, but, but transcends those laws. So, for example, you know, God can um, create a world that follows these laws, but he can work miracles. So, for example, you know, um, the natural law is that when you start to walk across water, Lyle, um, unfortunately, I have to let you know you're going to sink. Oh, no, yeah. don't tell me that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. So sorry disappointing. To bubble, you know, I, um, but, but you will. But the fact is, if God can actually enable a man to walk on water, that, that's, his, that's his freedom because he has the power to do that, which means that, that um, God can do things which science cannot predict, it cannot, um, you know, it cannot confirm, it cannot identify as, as well. And those are all of those miracles. And that is why we can, uh, we can have the record of the Bible that God created this world in six literal days, which was a series of incredible miracles. And, and even though science cannot discover that, science cannot, um, you know, isolate that, the fact is that is still true. And the other thing I want to tell you, Lyle, as well as this, if science is truly open-minded and is not locked in by scientism, then, then science actually points towards God as creator. And that's another whole topic in itself, and we could explore that, uh, uh, you know, in another interview, and that would be really great. It would be. It would, it would be absolutely amazing. And, you know, I guess one of the questions that comes to my mind is that when God, you know, transcends the, the, the laws of nature, for instance, and it creates a situation where you've got a human being who's walking on water. So we've got this example in the Bible. Is this God just using another natural law that already exists that we simply don't know about? Or is he creating a new law on the spot? Or is it just doing a one-off thing? Yeah, it's, well, well, the thing is this, is that the natural laws I just the the way that nature normally operates, the way that God normally upholds the universe. So, so let me give you an example. Uh, let's say that you live in London, and that 
uh, that every day I watch you coming out of your house and you've always got an umbrella in your hands. Because, of course, in London uh, or you know somewhere else in England, uh, it's the likelihood of it raining that day is very, very high. Yes. So, so the thing is, I watched that pattern. I watched that pattern, and then I could create a Lyle law, which is that every day Lyle takes a umbrella uh, when he leaves, or or has an umbrella when he's leaving the house. But the question is this: Do you have the freedom to one particular day not carry an umbrella out of? Uh, your house, yes or no? You do, absolutely, right? absolutely. I got that freedom. Exactly. So, so the thing is, this is that I can create a a, a law, a pattern to say Lyle always brings umbrellas out of the house. He always takes an umbrella with him, but it doesn't it doesn't remove uh, the the possibility of you not having a umbrella. And that's exactly what we have. Uh, with um, these natural laws, that they're patterns that we observe. It's the way God normally upholds the universe. But God is always free to uh, to, to do something different, um, depending on on the purpose, his his intention. If he wants to get a message across, all of those kind of things. And the, uh, the fact is that you're not taking an umbrella when you live in London is not contradicting the fact that normally you always take an umbrella. They're, they're not. They're not sort of logically inconsistent. They're just a different thing. One day you don't take an umbrella. And that's exactly what miracles um, and and supernatural divine actions are. They're, they're simply God working, doing something different uh, for a reason that, that he, would, he would know about. And we can trust him in that process. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Sven Erstring, uh, really love the, uh, the point that you're making here this morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, yeah, pull over on the side of the freeway and join us on Faith FM Radio. Um, you always have some fascinating insights right now. We've got to continue on. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.